Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome. Thanks for coming along for the Monday edition. It's freezing here inside, but outside... It's hot. It's blazes. Man, it's hot. How's this even work? I don't know. It's going to get hotter over the weekend. It's going to be swamp-like temperatures. Really? Okay, well, at least we're not in New Orleans. I know. It's going to feel like New Orleans here. I don't mind it. You mind it? Yes. I, I'm sorry. I, I mean, yeah, I'm starting to mind it a little. Really? And, and I feel badly because I love summer. I'll be fine. It's just a temporary problem I'm going through. <laughs> All right. Speaking of temporary problems that we're going through, John. Yes. I want to hear what you, uh, what you thought when you read some of the president's tweets over the weekend. Oh, okay. Uh, you were gonna, you, those tweets. <laughs> we're jumping right in. Yeah. Yeah. Those tweets. Okay. Um, let me see here. Let's see. Let me find that tweet. Where is that tweet? Uh, that was yesterday, wasn't it? Yes, I believe it was yesterday. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Correct. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Here it is. I see it. Okay. Uh, well, okay. So the president essentially called out four of the freshmen in Congress. He called them out. And Who are the four loudest freshmen? Yeah. They're the four they're loudest the Congress wheel. people. Right. And uh, here's the thing about the president. He's the president. You think that he would just ignore that? These these four f- freshman congresswomen, they're just gadflies. They're just want to just stick it, stick it to him, stick it to him, stick it to him, stick it. But somehow the president absorbs that, makes it personal, and then by responding to these four congressmen, he gives them more strength and more power. So the tweet, uh, do you have a tweet? I'm sorry. Yeah, he says, uh, so interesting to see progressive Democrat congresswomen who originally came from countries whose governments are a complete and total catastrophe, the worst, most corrupt and inept anywhere in the world, if they even have a functioning government at all, now loudly and viciously telling the people of the U.S., the greatest and most powerful nation on earth, how our government is to be run. Why don't they go back and help fix the totally broken crime infested places from which they came? Then come back and show us how it's done. These places need your help badly. You can't leave fast enough. Right. I'm sure that Nancy Pelosi would be very happy to quickly work out free travel arrangements. Okay. So when you the, – the problem is the two words, go back. Now, if, if you grew up – look, I mean, I grew up in, in Swissvale in the 60s and 70s, and I, I heard that, and it's true. It is an old trope. When you tell someone to go back to their country – whether the president implied that or intended that or not, of course, there's discussion about that. It is racist. I'm sorry, but it is. And I support the president, but I believe what he said here is off the rails. And he only made it worse. Now, I get his point. I agree with him. If you're, if you're hating this country so much, then get out of here. I agree with that. If you're complaining about how brutal it is here, what a hard time you're having, this is a terrific country. It's still the best country in the world. But you're, you're, you're winnowing down to their level, and you've lifted them above yourself now and given them an opportunity to respond. You've taken your eye off the ball. Why are you giving them any more publicity than they already know. have? It's know. just a strategic mistake. Because they, In addition to it being an ethical lapse, it's a strategic mistake. The president shows himself as very thin-skinned, and it doesn't, it doesn't look good on anybody, let alone the president of the United States. Now, of course, he came out today. He continues to tweet, which you know, he is his greatest – it's it the Achilles heel it of the presidency. Achilles heel, yep. Really. If the president had just 
governed in silence like every other president has in the past, we would not know all this machinations. We would know all. And there's a neurosis here. It is. It's a neurosis. And it's not a healthy, healthy thing for him to be lashing out like this. So many people, myself included, I'm sure you, Kath and Mike, who supported the president, you go, please stop, please. You're only making matters worse. And so here we are again. Now, look, all of a sudden, Nancy Pelosi's energized. The Democrats are energized. They're going to, you know, do a, a, a condemnation of that, of which they have every right to do so. It, it doesn't help anybody. What was happening prior to these tweets is that Nancy Pelosi was getting put in a corner yes. over and over again by these four, and she was absolutely hacked off. When they did not vote in favor of the border funding proposal in the House, she was so angry and about called them that. Out on she it. called them out on that. All the conversation was about the dissension in the Democratic Party. He just took all of that criticism that was being leveled at the Democrats, and now he's got it on himself. Right. It's just, I, I don't understand why he is so unable to hear good counsel from his own administration, his own people, whatever, his own chief of staff, whoever it is, who I'm sure has told him over and over again, stop stop doing this. It makes him look small. It really does make him look small. And here's the weird thing about it for, for me, just as, you know, as part of our thing here, management has said, please, you know, make sure that you're on social media. Right, so we tweet not that often. Quite I need honestly. to be better. Right, I just I just can't muster it. But it's just but how do you run the greatest nation here, and at the same time tweet six, seven, eight, nine, ten times or more? Listen, a I day? can't I can't remember to tweet once a week. I seriously have got. I, I seriously think to myself just this morning. I thought I got to get better about tweeting. You know why? Because I just don't have. I feel like I don't have time. I'm busy. How does he have time to be doing this? I do not know. Do you feel like Trump tweets as much as he does because he doesn't trust the mainstream media? Yeah, Yeah, I'm sure. And I get that. And I appreciate that. That's his main source. That he circumvents all that. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. And I also recognize that if every president tweeted what they thought, like he did, we'd recognize that they're all some very similar personalities. Because you cannot ascend to that place with the way you have to do it in our country without being a complete narcissist. Yeah. I'm telling you, you'd hear them all and you'd be like, I don't, I don't, I don't like any of you. But he is giving us way too much of a window. The other ones just held back. And the social media thing wasn't as big, but the other ones were more restrained when it came to public presentation. And that, I'm telling you, that's the thing that has sold so many people on him, but it's going to come back to bite him in this election. I agree. too much access to what he's thinking. That thin skin does not play well. It just doesn't. So here we are. Um, But listen, these four... I just they, despise like, this. Now, but here's the other thing about what he said. So he's talking about. I mean, this was just such a poor idea. He's uh, again. This is uh, this was on Sunday. So interesting to see the progressive Democrat Congresswomen who originally came from countries whose governments are a complete and total catastrophe, the worst, most corrupt and inept anywhere in the world, if they even have a functioning government at all, now loudly, viciously telling the people of the U.S. how our government should to be run. There's only one who was not born in this country. Right. The other three are from America. Right. So uh, what are you talking about? Are you misinformed or are you just so angry and so upset at your target that you just totally run by the facts? And these four talk about ill-informed. These four women are the spouting off with some of the craziest 
political ideas, these these absolutely like dream level statements they're making that have no possibility of ever entering into reality. Why not just let them bury themselves? Why is you why give them enough rope and eventually they do? Well, yeah. Well, look I, at AOC last week at that hearing. She got crushed last week. Right. And she should have gotten crushed right. because what she's saying is crazy and she's nowhere near as informed as she thinks she is. Plus, she's she's young and she needs to listen to people who know things but all of a sudden as she's opposed the to talking all the time. So but, let them bury themselves. I think I've said that five times. I just can't. St- I, but it's true. It is. It's true. Look, when you hear them speak out, I mean, they all them to a person they hate israel right, right? they bash america on a regular mm-hmm. basis you you want to go shut up and the whole conversation about climate change and about declaring it an emergency look i get the fact that there are issues related to climate we can all talk about that aoc's version of how we're going to handle it is so absurd right. that you got to look at her and say you're nuts and the whole narrative about the concentration camps that's oh ridiculous oh my gosh that it's was a incredible. complete and but that's, total insult. But that's gotten thing. picked just, up by mainstream media. Right. Now everyone's in a concentration camp. Right. Now, okay, so, now there's children right, so, in cages. So what are we looking at? So now we've got people who are talking crazy on both sides. And we've only got two sides when it comes to politics in America. It doesn't play well. It really doesn't. So here we are again. Please. And, and I don't think anything is going to change. The president is going to do what the president wants to do, no matter what the counsel is of putting the phone down, stop the tweeting. Uh, here we are. This is just what the insanity is in America in 2019. We're going to talk in a few minutes um, about a deeper look at immigration and potential targets of the ICE raids. It's important that as crazy as these people make us, we still try to be as informed as we can so we can support policies that are actually beneficial to people. And regardless of how people people's immigration status is, right, we want people to be treated humanely. Amen to that. And so we, Please, need, to, so we, and so we need to know what's going on at the border. I mean, you, you want to be the hands and feet of Jesus at the border. Do you not? Yes. Right? Okay, we'll take a break, come back, stay with us. We're also going to talk during the 5 o'clock hour. Tomorrow is the 50th anniversary of the launch of Apollo 11. We're going to talk uh, with Charles Fishman about one giant leap. That's the ride home with John and Kathy here on Word FM and WPIT Radio. Are you getting close to retirement? Have you experienced a nice bump in your portfolio? Now, we know the market goes up, and unfortunately, we also know it goes down. Don't risk your retirement to market whims. Learn how you can lock in those gains today by spending time with the team at Marley Financial. Todd Marley and the experts at Marley Financial can help you design a retirement plan that's bulletproof against the market's ups and downs. The team at Marley Financial uses a multitude of different techniques to make sure you have a retirement that's tax-friendly, stable, and worry-free. Oh, and speaking of taxes, did you know that Marley Financial can handle them too. With all the changes in the tax laws, be sure you're taking advantage of the best possible deduction and make sure you know what adjustments to make for your overall financial picture going forward. So call today. A no obligation consultation is waiting for you so you can see just how for 25 years the clients at Marley Financial have never had a retirement plan fail. So give them a call today, 724-884-1496 or visit them online, marleyfg.com. 
101.5 WORD. After being led to Christ through a dinner invitation, Rosaria Butterfield became passionate about regularly showing hospitality to others. On the next Focus on the Family, she shares powerful stories about the amazing adventure of life with an open heart and an open home. Next time on Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. Tonight at 8.30 on 101.5 WORD. As parents, you're dedicated to seeing your kids live out God's call for their lives, to enter adulthood with discernment, integrity, biblical values, and the ability to thrive in work that's meaningful, to not only make wise and faithful decisions, but defend them as well. At Cornerstone Prep in West Mifflin, pre-K through 12th grade students thrive in an environment that fosters biblical discipleship and authentic education. Cornerstone Prep, ready for life at cornerstoneprep.net. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Oh, what a great audience. Let's dim the lights for this next one. Nope, too much. Ah, there it is. Got to get things just right. Like Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Tell us what you want to pay, and we help you find coverage options that fit your budget. And now, the mood is right. Wait, the lights are back on again. Trudy, can you... And now it's completely dark. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Most clubs you join require an initiation fee or a club membership, but not the Word FM Discount Shopping Club. No, in our club you save as much as half. Half off home improvement services, web design, family entertainment, music festivals, and much more. All from the comfort of your computer or smartphone. Log on now to wordfm.com slash shopping. And God save the green. There were supposed to be ice raids over the weekend. Uh, to some degree, those have been scaled back or just canceled in its entirety. We're going to talk right now with Dr. Ryan Birch. Dr. Birch is professor of political science at Eastern Illinois University, where he teaches American institutions, public administration, and international relations. His research focuses largely on the intersection between religiosity and political behavior, especially in the American context. He wrote a piece, you can see it online right now at Christianity Today, called A Deeper Look at Immigration and Potential Targets of the Ice Raids. Dr. Birch, welcome to Word FM. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, Ryan, thanks for this piece. Um, let's start with the basic questions that you say you think it's important that we ask before we go off like, you know, half-cocked screaming and yelling at each other, which it seems like everyone does all the time on cable news or on Twitter. Uh, so let's talk first. Um, so the the question about when your ancestors came to America is an interesting question to me. Um, and the, uh, the corresponding question of from what faith are you and when did you come to America? They both tell us interesting things about the makeup of today's USA. Absolutely right. I mean, 30 percent of Americans say their grandparents were not born in this country, um, which is which is staggering. I think for a lot of people, especially that live in the Midwest, maybe in small towns, you know, come from families that have been in America for two or three hundred years. A huge chunk of Americans are, are very recent Americans, which means their their grandparents came from another country, which means their grandparents probably spoke another language, have a different culture, you know, celebrate different customs, um, and therefore they probably do the same thing as well. So America is not did not just used to be an immigrant country. America still today 
is a significantly immigrant country and will, you know, for all intents and purposes, be an immigrant country going forward if you look at the demographics. Right. And that's key to the vitality and uh, the prosperity of America, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you look at, you know, that Donald Trump said he wants to hit a 6% GDP growth target, and every economist from any political background will tell you there's no way to hit that growth target unless we have a lot more immigration in America for more people to buy stuff. That drives up GDP and more people to have jobs. So, I mean, immigration generally is seen as a good economic driver uh, for GDP growth. Okay, so let's talk about the faith tradition of those who are um, who are immigrants. So the group with the highest percentage of immigrants are classified not as evangelicals or Roman Catholics or black Protestants, but immigrants of, quote, other faith. Yeah, so other faith is a sort of uh, potpourri category of religious classification. They're all groups that um, individually are too small to really do a lot with because we don't have enough of them on a survey. So groups like Hindus and Muslims and Buddhists, uh, people who follow things like paganism, um, religions like that are so small on surveys. We can't really. People ask me all the time, like, how many Muslims are there in America? How many Mormons are there in America? How many Hindus are in America? And if you look at a survey of a thousand people, you might get twenty Mormons or thirty Hindus. So we kind of mash them all together. Now, that other faith category then is the one that's growing the quickest um, because, you know, people are coming here from places like China and India, places where um, Christianity, especially Western Christianity, is not practiced as heavily. And so things like Buddhism, Hinduism, and Islam are much more popular there. So there is a part of the immigration story that says if America welcomes more immigrants, it will, by definition, become less Christian. That's just a, a fact. That's just math. Yeah, I mean, you can't fight demography. It is what it is. And places that are growing in in the world, you know, population centers that are growing in the world, they're largely not Christian places. Now, the, the counterbalance that is Africa is, is seeing a tremendous growth in Christianity, especially Pentecostal evangelical Christianity. And there are, there is some immigration coming to America from places like Africa. But, you know, the lion's share of our immigration is coming from places like Central and South America and Southeast Asia places that might not necessarily be as Christian. I see. Now, in the old days, uh, what, what, that would be 30, 40 years ago, you would think that many immigrants coming from Latin America or were raised Catholics would bring that Catholic faith to America. Yeah, so Hispanics are a really interesting population group because they struggle with this whole assimilation question, right? Um, do they cling to the faith that their parents and grandparents had, which is more often than not Roman Catholicism, and, and, and practice that when they get to America? Or do they try to assimilate to American culture? And we are seeing some significant growth in Hispanic evangelicals. A lot of non-denominational churches, especially in the South and the Southwest in America, are really thriving because they're taking in large populations of Hispanic former Catholics who came to America and see that evangelicalism is sort of the prototypical American religion and then sort of take that on to try to assimilate and integrate into American society. So a couple things that that this conversation makes me think of first is that it, it's a there are so many people who are in America who are newer Americans as you said at the start of our conversation so that makes me wonder what their like how strongly their political viewpoints are settled or if they're still kind of in a manner of like let's kind of see how this goes Talk about the 2016 presidential election. What did that tell us about more recent immigrants and how they're seeing the political spectrum? Sure. So people who have come here more recently 
as a general rule, are more likely to vote for Democrats as a general rule. Um, as they stay in country longer, meaning their kids and their grandchildren, those people typically become more Republican over time. I mean, if you look at uh, – there's some charts in there with evangelicals. The, the evangelicals are the least likely to vote for President Trump were the people who immigrated here themselves. But then their kids were more likely to vote for Trump, and their grandkids were even more likely to vote for Trump. So sort of what we see is that you kind of integrate into the religious community you find yourself in, and you start over time adopting the predominant political ideology of that church that you attend. I see. So then there's truth to this, right? Because the Republicans would say, well, of course the Democrats are for uh, immigration, because as immigrants come in, they'll They're become— They're going to vote Democrat. Right. They'll be Democrats. Uh, initially, that's true, but the long game says it's not true. The other thing is, and I think this is the most important thing, people, immigrant, evangelical immigrants to America are some of the most devout evangelicals in America today. They're actually more devout when it comes to church attendance and prayer than third-generation evangelicals. Wow. So these are the – if you're an evangelical, these are the kind of evangelicals you want to have because they become core parts of your church community. And largely they do that. It might, it might, they might even be doing it for selfish reasons because they want to find an, an, a way to network in the, in the town they live in or the community they're, they're a part of. But still, they show up to church. They pray often. They become central uh, members of your church. So, you know, evangelical immigrants should be welcomed if you're an evangelical in America. Plus, they also vote for Trump in huge numbers, too. So they check all the boxes. Okay, what about the uh, perspective on the president's politics um, and and his his viewpoint on people coming into America from different faith groups? Is there any evidence in the survey that you've done um, that since the president has been in office and his policies have taken effect, that there are fewer people who've been who've been allowed admittance from particular people groups. So the thing about the the Trump administration is, and they they, they say constantly, consistently, that they want to stop the flow of illegal immigrants into this country, and they've done lots of concrete things to make that possible. We all know about the detention camps and and, and the changes in the southern border. But here's what a lot of people don't know. The um, number of applicants who were permitted to come to this country legally in 2018 was down 13 percent from the prior year. So not only is the Trump administration wanting to limit illegal immigration, they're also wanting to limit legal immigration. And to me, that's a head scratcher, because if you tell people we want you to do it the right way, but then we make the right way harder, Harder. then what are you? Yeah. What are you telling people to do? You're telling them don't come here. And, And that's not what. I don't think most Americans would be in favor of limiting legal immigration to this country. And that's exactly what's happened. Listen, I teach college. My graduate, I had a graduate student email me last week. His visa got denied to come to America to get a graduate degree in political science and go back to his country and make it a better place. That wow. does not make America better. That does not make the world a better place. I mean, so, he is not the problem, the student from Nepal. He's not the problem. Right. You know, he wants to come here and make his life better and make Nepal better. And we should welcome that kind of thing. So, Ryan, whenever you dig down into that head scratcher, do you have any reason why the Trump administration is doing that? Well, I mean, <laughs> we can say the quiet parts out loud. I mean, Donald Trump tweeted the quiet part out loud yesterday, which is you can go back to the country you came from, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, he he said it. I'm not saying it. I mean, that's the most xenophobic, racist statement you can make. If you're an American, this is your country. This is where you come from. No matter what color your skin is, if you're an American, you're an American. We don't go somewhere. This is our place. 
yeah. right? And if we look at what the gospel, and listen, you know, the lectionary reading, I'm a, I'm a pastor, I'm an American Baptist pastor, and I use the lectionary. The lectionary text from yesterday was the Good Samaritan. <laughs> yeah, it's ironic. A passage about, yeah, exactly. A passage about a Samaritan, a man that a, the Samaritan community was reviled by the rest of Jews, Jews and Gentiles, but the man who was the most, the most kind to the stranger was the person who was exiled himself, yes. right, who was, who was ostracized himself. And, you know, I don't know what the solution to the immigration problem is in America, but limiting the people who can come here legally is not a good option. I mean, America has room for more people, especially you can't you can't talk out of both sides of your mouth. Don't jump the border, but then apply to come here legally, but then make it harder to apply to come here legally without saying what you're really saying, which is that we're closed. No more can come in. And a lot of these people who are applying to come here legally are the exact type of people that Donald Trump and Republicans want, educated, uh, industrious, people who come here and start businesses, start lives, integrate in the communities and make America a better place. Dr. Ryan Burgess with us, professor of political science at Eastern Illinois University. Um, last question for you, Ryan. We only have about 30 seconds. Uh, what this data does show us, though, is that religion does play a part in who comes to the U.S. and how the U.S. is evolving. Absolutely. I mean, there's there's a classification. You can, uh, uh, you can apply for political asylum, which means that you are under threat. So if you're in a country where, you know, Christianity is persecuted, for instance, um, you can apply as a threat, you know, saying my religion will get me killed if I stay in my country. Right. So American immigration has always had a, a religious exemption to it. My worry is if we limit immigration even more, are Christians going to be killed in China for being practicing Christians because we don't let them come to this country? That's a, that's a moral failing to me. Yeah. Well, Dr. Burris, thanks an awful lot. Appreciate a straightforward approach talking to us about this. It's a deeply contentious issue and uh, you brought some clarity here. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Our pleasure. Dr. Ryan Burge from Eastern Illinois University. Online Christianity Today, a deeper look at immigration and potential targets of the ICE raids. Dr. Ryan Burge. Thinking about life insurance? What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? Well, that's exactly what happens when you call SelectQuote Life. For example, George is 40. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around, I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $25 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino. And believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 800-494-2323. That's 800-494-2323, 800-494-2323, or go to selectquote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Their price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors. Not available in all states. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives and restore sight and health for many more. Sign up right now online as an organ, eye, and tissue donor. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Great beds, no bowl. That is the original Mattress Factory difference. Our mattresses are designed with the highest quality materials and are hand-built in our local employee-owned factories. 
all for hundreds less than mainstream mattress brands. Sound too good to be true? Stop by your local factory for a personal tour and to see how your favorite bed is made from beginning to end. Or you can check out any of our stores or visit OriginalMattress.com to find out what the OMF difference is all about. If you're worried about your cholesterol, hear how others are taking charge with garlic. My doctor said my cholesterol was borderline, but I've been taking garlic and it works. I've been taking garlic for years. My pharmacist recommended garlic. He said there's an ingredient in garlic that helps maintain healthy cholesterol. I take garlic every day. No garlic breath. Lots of people like you are choosing garlic to help maintain a healthy cholesterol. Garlic, it's cholesterol's natural These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Use as directed. Looking to buy a car? Online shopping can be confusing. Not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for the car you want and see what other people pay for it too. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Dentistry, in my opinion, shouldn't be a fear-inducing experience. And it really, I think, goes a long way for patients when I'm able to develop that one-on-one relationship with them. Exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care at StockFamilyDentistry.com. Tonight we'll have partly cloudy skies, warm, more humid night with a low 68. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy skies with an afternoon thunderstorm, warm and buggy with the high 84. It'll be cloudy, steamy with a couple of showers around tomorrow night. Low will be near 70. And then for Wednesday, we'll have Barry moving through the areas to look for clouds and a couple of soaking showers and thunderstorms mainly in the afternoon. With your Racky Weather Forecast, I'm Frank Strait. I've been cheated, been mistreated. When will I, I be loved? I've been put down, I've been pushed round. When will I, I be loved? That big, beautiful voice, of course, is Linda Ronstadt. It's her birthday today. 70. What do you think? I saw her on a CBS Sunday morning thing. 72. Three. Oh, 72. Pretty close. She has Parkinson's and she has not sung for at least a decade. Yeah. Seriously, isn't but that a beautiful voice? It is, and it's heartbreaking to think about that because I just, yeah. It's such a difficult disease. I know so many people. Robs them. Who listen to the show, how either have Parkinson's or have a loved one with Parkinson's. It's a lot. Yep. It is a real, it is a lot. So our very best to Linda Ronstadt. Mm, 73. Happy birthday, Linda Ronstadt. Uh, also, a uh, strange day to celebrate, but I feel like I want to bring it up. Okay. Uh, National Gummy Worm Day. Oh, mm-hmm. I like a gummy worm. You do? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I had no idea. I've oh, never yeah. seen you eat a gummy worm. Well, you know, they're just not floating around the office. Mike, you. I like gummy worms. Yeah. Do you like gummy? Do you like gummy be- gummy worms better than bears? Uh, no. I do. Really? I, I feel like gummy bears have this weird texture, this in in this weird aftertaste too. Gummy worms, yeah. I like I like gummy worms over uh, gummy bears. I think they're cut sure. from the same cloth. You think so? Yeah. Well, the gummy worm was invented um, by you know Harib- Haribo is the oh, yeah. or is the German company that makes uh, gummy bears. And on the gummy bear's 60th anniversary, they introduced gummy worms. What was that? It was in 1981. Oh, so gummy worms are fairly They're new. They're recent. Really. They're recent. Yeah. But gummy bears have been around for a while. Exactly. I, so you... they, I mean, so they're made from this. I'm, 
Yeah, they have to. Got to taste same this, thing, right? Yeah. Do you like um, like like a juji fruit? I love a juji fruit. Oh, you mean a juju fruit? No, no. Or is it juji? No, there's two uh, different things. There's a juji and a juju. Oh, um, I don't like any of those. Uh, I thought that that was the case. Yeah, I don't like any of that. I like all that. Do you? Mm-hmm. But that's all getting stuck in your teeth, and I don't I, care. it drives me crazy. I like how to no. get all that out. That gummy stuff, you know, that's sort of the same kind of. Mold. No, the gummy bear I doesn't get stuck in my teeth. Why? I don't know why. I yeah. think it's that weird texture you're yeah, talking right, about. Yeah, right, right, right. Exactly. Hey, have you guys ever made um, dirt with gummy bears? It's, oh, you know what I'm talking about? Yes. No. First of all, it's a very, it's it's uh it's persuasive in how it looks. Yes. What? Like dirt? It looks like dirt, but it's candy. So basically, it's crunched up Oreos, mm-hmm. and you throw in the gum the gummy worms. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. So it looks so like it they're gross doing yourself out. Right, right they're doing right. their thing in there. Yeah. Oh. Now here's something interesting. <laughs> when I was in Germany last month. This month, actually, also, um, we did a comparison on gummy bears. Oh. We did a taste test, a blind taste test of ones made in Germany and ones made in America, huh. because Wait. the because all of the the of the gummy bears we get in America are made in America. It's a German company, but they're made here. Somebody brought an American gummy worm yes. with them. No bears. bears. We only did bears. And and we did a blind taste test. What were the results? I have to tell you that I like the German version a lot better, but most of the people who did the taste test were the reverse. Why? Like the American. The American one is sweeter than the German one. Hmm. You know, uh, when I went to the Coke Museum in Atlanta a few years ago, at the end of the whole tour, and if you ever have a chance to do that in Atlanta, you, it's just fabulous. But at the end, they have all of the, the soft drinks that they make according to continent. So they have all the European soft drinks together, mm-hmm. all the African soft drinks together, cool. all of the North American, South American, because they say the palate of different continents is different. Mm-hmm. And so like when I had Coke in Germany, it's not the same. Really? It tastes different. Than different it does recipe. Here. Yeah. It tastes different because people, you know, in Europe taste things differently than yeah, we yeah, do. Sure anyway, I, I did like the German version of the gummy bear. Really? So I bought a lot. You bought a lot of German gummy bears to bring I did. home. Yeah, I did. When you went through customs, did you have to declare them? I did. Uh huh. I didn't have to pull them out, but I had to list them on my right. little sheet. Value. I mean, it's not like I spent a hundred dollars on gummy bears. What'd I think spend? I spent like sixteen dollars. It wasn't not that big of a deal. Like, don't look at me like that's too much. To that's spend. a lot of money. Sixteen dollars. Think... I'm that surprised by that. You guys. No, that's a lot. That is I, a lot. I Was have... your husband surprised by that? I have... He has. I forgot. That I haven't shown it to him. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh, what, what, like you're like what, hidden somewhere? Well, all of a sudden, you're talking to me like I'm secretive. I just forgot. What do you mean? But you, you've been home for a while, and you haven't put... I'd have eaten them all by then. People? I mean, I haven't... Wait, 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 wait. Hold on now. How, the story wait, of the hidden ma- gummy bears. How many gummy bears are... 16 are, bucks. Yeah. How I, many do you get? I think I got How much like, is in a bag? I think it's like four bags. You, would you both relax what, what How, you, how many is in a bag here? I don't know. I don't know. You haven't eaten any of them? I, they're still in their in the larger bag I purchased them in. Like we're, dri- we're surprised. Her like she's in customs right now. Exactly. Hey, how many's in those? How many gummy bears? What's are What's the that? intended Holy, use of the gummy bears? Holy man! Well, people, well here's like, what surprises me. Jiminy, yeah, really? See, a rough. See, in my, in my house, they would not have lasted like you know a week. And you've been yeah. home sir, for a couple of weeks. And sadly, based on the fact that I don't have air conditioning, they've probably oh. melted into a congealed mass. We'll bring a little bit in here. Okay. Okay. Thank you. I feel about better it. about that. Okay. All right. We're going to take a little break. Come back. Evangelism is exiles. We're going to talk about life on the mission field and being strangers in our own land.
101.5 WORD. Coming up on Love Worth Finding. What's the key element in learning to pray effectively? Listen to Adrian Rogers. The most important thing is not that you know how to pray. The most important thing is that you are qualified to pray. Because if you're qualified to pray, before long you will be learning how to pray. Learn about the privilege of prayer this month on Love Worth Finding. Tonight at 11 on 101.5 WORD. It's time to stand with Israel. Consider the lifelong impact of joining nationally syndicated media hosts Dennis Prager and Mike Gallagher, along with Word FM, on the Stand with Israel tour this December 2nd through 11th. More than a vacation, this journey will guide you through centuries of faith and culture as you visit iconic places right out of Scripture. Along the way, your hosts will broadcast on-site while you watch and participate. Together with like-minded travelers, you'll see over 40 iconic sites during the 10-day tour where you can pray at the West wall in Old City, Jerusalem, float in the Dead Sea, and take a boat out onto the water of the Sea of Galilee. Have you ever wanted to walk inside the Garden Tomb? Register today for the Stand with Israel Tour this December 2nd through 11th. Just visit our website for more details and registration information at wordfm.com slash Israel. That's W-O-R-D-F-M dot com slash Israel. So how was your breakfast this morning? Was it magnificent or just meh? You could have enjoyed a little morning comfort at the Bistro to Go Cafe, like their simply delicious signature sugar pecan French toast, a savory Tuscan or farmer-style breakfast bowl, or a daily chef-crafted special. Bistro to Go Cafe will always get your morning off to a delicious and healthy start. Have a great day with Bistro to Go on the north side. See what's cooking at bistro-togo.com. When wet weather is on the way, keep it dry inside with J&D Waterproofing. Water seepage and a sinking foundation can cause major structural damage if left untreated. Joe Belanti and the team at J&D Waterproofing have the experience to correct your water problem with over 72 years in the industry. Call the Tri-State's premier waterproofing company now at 1-800-VERY-DRY for a free estimate and big savings on all waterproofing services for a limited time. J&D Waterproofing, 1-800-VERY-DRY. Summer is here, and Matt's got the barbecue out all ready to grill. That's why he trusts Super Poly Grip, so he can enjoy his steak with full confidence. Poly Grip. Sounds like there's a party going on. But something's missing. The birthday gals arrived. And thanks to Polydent, her bright smile is anything but a surprise. Polydent. Elliot Clark is with us. Elliot has lived in Central Asia, where he has served as a cross-cultural church planner. He's got a brand new workout called Evangelism as Exiles, Life on Mission as Strangers in Our Land. Uh, Elliot, uh, we welcome you to the show today. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Elliot, I don't know how often you've shared the gospel. I've shared the gospel before. I'm sure John has. Oh, sure. I'm sure New Mike has. Uh, So this is the way we in America, in the West, talk about evangelism or talking about Jesus or, you know, sharing our hope in the gospel. We say that we've shared the gospel. Now, you say that in other parts of the world, 
people don't share the gospel. Is that just semantics or is there something actually different about what we do and how we talk about it versus what other people do and how they talk about it? Well, yeah, I think it is uh, at the heart an issue of semantics. It's it's the way that we've come to talk about uh, what evangelism is. And so if anybody in the U.S. talks about it, it's generally uh, conceived of and even explicitly said to be sharing the gospel. And uh, I, I was just awakened to a different sort of reality when I was studying language in another country and realized they didn't have uh, previously that kind of a category for the idea of sharing. Hmm. And the reason why they didn't is because that's not really a term that is found in the Bible. And hmm. so um, outside of one or two possible references, it's just not the dominant way that the Bible speaks about what evangelism is and, and what the apostles or the early church did when they communicated the gospel. I see. And so that, that started me thinking about, well, maybe that affects in some way, that, that terminology affects even the way we conceive of the, the task. All right, so how's it different? So talk about how we might—so the term, sh- we share the gospel. What did the apostles do in Acts? Yeah, so uh, if you just do a, a simple study of Acts, read through the, uh, all the accounts, you find the apostles, or not just the apostles, but, but others, uh, proclaiming the gospel, announcing it, declaring it. You find it described as them persuading others, calling them to repent, uh, you find them reasoning, explaining, uh, you know, having discussions. It certainly involves dialogue, not just uh, me telling you uh, something. There is that dialogical component, but it it's more than just kind of a passive um, offering of something, <laughs> something good. And, and I think when we think of the term sharing, we're often thinking of, in terms of, oh, I share what others want. If someone's interested in what I have, then I'll share it. Right. Um, but in the Gospels, in Acts, uh, in the early Church, what we find is people proclaiming news that may or may not be interesting or desirable to others. And so there, there's more to it than just giving something to somebody. It's making an announcement. I see. So it can be complex at times, Elliot. And, and you talk about this, um, about a young girl in evangelism as exiles, a young girl that you met in uh, in a Southeast Asian country. Her name is Miriam. Can you tell us that story? Yeah, so uh, came to know Miriam through a unique circumstance where she had shown interest through an online forum, was, uh, wanted to have a Bible, and we set up a meeting where we were going to give her a copy of the Scriptures and really didn't know anything about her at the, at the time, but when she showed up, we quickly realized she was a minor, and this uh, presented us with all kinds of concerns and kind of uh, red lights flashing in our head because that was illegal in our country. So immediately, uh, my wife and I as we were meeting with her. We had to kind of wrestle with what we're going to do next. And uh, it was one of those unique situations, very unique in a way, that she basically told us, you've got to tell me the gospel because who else will tell me? I don't know any other Christians. I've never met anyone else. Really? And uh, so it's not because we were particularly bold. (laughs) It was just, wow, it came to the realization that I need to, we need to uh, tell her this news. There there was an urgency to it. And uh, so I I think what's unique about the story of Maryam is 
um, she went on to become a very bold evangelist and was doing things that I would never even imagine doing, um, risking her her schooling, risking relationship with family, and uh, she had a better understanding of what it meant to evangelize than I than even I did. So that's interesting. So in some countries, it's illegal to evangelize to underage children. Yeah, and I and we, we did our best to respect that law. So immediately when we realized we were in a situation, uh, we, we pursued her mother. We began to have a relationship with her family. And uh, in essence, we evangelized her alongside her uh, family as a way to, to honor that law, but at the same time, uh, pursue bold evangelism. So, Ellie, you've traveled the world and you've lived in many different places. And I'm sure as you go into a different country or different region, you have to assimilate so as not to offend, to not upset. And I'm sure for your own safety, your wife and your family's safety, you've got to follow along central guidelines as well. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think I think we have to constantly be contextualizing our message. We have to think about ways that are appropriate in a given context and, and culture. Um, we don't certainly don't want to unnecessarily offend someone, uh, be that through the way we handle ourselves, the way we dress, the things we talk about, or, uh, or even just to present the gospel in ways that don't make sense to people. But we also have to remember the gospel is innately offensive. And Paul says uh, pretty clearly that it's, uh, offensive to Jew and Gentile, it's it's a stumbling block in and of itself. And so if we're committed to never offending, then we're never going to be able to faithfully speak the gospel to anyone. So do you think that our term, share the gospel, is because of our reluctance to offend? Uh, yeah, I don't know, you know, is it the chicken or the egg? I, mm-hmm. the, what I say in the book I certainly am not anti-sharing the gospel, um, but but we're I talking about yeah, but but it's the term that we're talking about, right? It's sure, just, right. sure. I think I think the term has uh, inadvertently influenced the way we conceive of what evangelism is, and and just that that term uh, comes from a Greek word which to, means in its most basic form to announce or herald good news. It it assumes a an inherent authority in the act itself. And I just think that the way when we talk only about sharing, um, you know, another another kind of cliche in Christianity is, you know, pray for an opportunity. And and so for us we we think about having opportunities to evangelize, but those the way we even think of an opportunity is someone who wants to hear what we have to say. And is almost begging for us to say it. I see. Um, and as you know, we perceive, oh, they're they're close to faith, and so I, I have an open door, and I just don't see that. I think Paul, when he talks about having an open door, it's it's for God to give him boldness to speak, and uh, we're we're just far too reluctant and passive, I think, in waiting for opportunities and sharing only when we uh, perceive someone might be interested. Right. We're speaking right now uh, about evangelism, uh, evangelism as exiles, life on mission as strangers in our land. And um, Elliot, I'm wondering, uh, Elliot Clark's with us, uh, as you evangelize, not here in the States, and you tell that story about Mary Ann, 
you know, I wonder about the Internet uh, in third world countries or other countries, you know, that people are not walking around. Or maybe they are. You see this with smartphones in their pockets all the time. Has that somehow changed the way that you evangelize? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's there are so many amazing opportunities that technology brings us, um, especially in hard to reach places, um, places where it might even be difficult for uh, a Westerner to get a, a long-term visa or live in that country as a residential missionary, uh, you know, we're able to employ all sorts of resources, whether it's, you know, internet, um, you know, YouTube videos or something like uh, providing scripture in, in SD cards. Or, I mean, there's just innumerable ways. And I think I tell a lot of stories in the book where, you know, just the amazing part of technology is that, I'm still in communication with believers all over the world through uh, WhatsApp or Facebook or whatever. It just it provides amazing opportunities. Right. Uh, of course, of course, there are challenges with that, but um, but still, face to face is always the best. Yeah, I think so. Um, that's my my personal experience. But uh, you know, we have we definitely have tools that I think the Apostle Paul would have fully embraced <laughs> as, as someone who he obviously wanted to stay in contact with his disciples, with those who had, who had come to faith through him and were following uh, his teaching. Outstanding. Well, Elliot, we, we admire your work. I mean, it's excellent. Uh, face-to-face, over the Internet, uh, however it is, you're reaching new people who want to know Christ. God bless you. Elliot, uh, uh, really excellent. Elliot Clark. Are you a stock or options trader looking for real trading strategies that you can use immediately? Hi, my name is Scott Bauer, CEO of Prosper Trading Academy, and I'm on a mission to become the number one options coach in America. I'm a former vice president at Goldman Sachs. I have over 25 years of options trading experience, and right now, I'm giving away my most famous options guide with over 20 unique options strategies that I use every day for free. You can't buy this guide anywhere. To claim your free options trading guide, simply call 855-892-2307 now and mention my name, Scott Bauer, and we will rush you the guide. Call 855-892-2307 and someone from my options team will help you get this guide in your inbox as quickly as possible. Call 855-892-2307 now and start learning to trade the right way. Call 855-892-2307. 2307 Prosper with options. Stocks and options trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. You've been planning this day all your life. Enjoy your wedding and leave the catering to Bistro to Go on the North Side. Discover Bistro's classiest, simply delicious menu selections from butler past hors d'oeuvres to starters, main courses, and desserts. Buffet or plated service, each package contains full china, linen, staffing, complimentary cake plating, and more. Reasonably priced from intimate morning breakfast to grand evening affairs. Find menus, pricing, even venue recommendations at bistroandcompany.com. Providence Presbyterian Church, Washington Alliance Church, Bethlehem Lutheran Church, St. John the Baptist Church, Impact Christian Church, The Bible Chapel. What do all these churches from various denominations have in common? Nello Construction. Design and build with one company. Nello Construction. Full service construction from the ground up. Renovation. Expansion. Nello Construction. The choice for churches. See the projects. Begin the journey at NelloConstruction.com. 
How does Eden Christian Academy prepare students for success? Through education that ignites the mind and inspires the spirit from pre-K through 12th grade. Through 47 state-certified full-time teachers and opportunities in sports, the arts, and service to the community. With results like SAT scores 200 points over the national average. Schedule a tour at any of Eden's three North Hills campuses and see what the area's largest non-denominational Christian school has to offer at EdenChristianAcademy.org. On Wednesday nights in the early 90s. Must-see TV. It was. You had Mad About You. You had Friends. Yeah. You had Seinfeld. Oh, that's excellent. And I, I right. just watched that like it was my whole job. Pre-internet, pre-streaming, you just made a date and sat down and watched NBC. There are several things about each show that are memorable. But one of the things about Friends that was memorable were just a couple really cool design elements that I always loved on that show. Mm-hmm. You had the sofa that was in the coffee shop. Yeah. You had the frame that was around the keyhole mm-hmm. uh, in uh, Monica and Rachel's apartment. And you had like the apothecary table. Oh, right? yes. Um, it was just a really cool, funky vibe that they had on that show as far as furnishings and decor and all of that. And I, it was just fascinating to me that Pottery Barn is now carrying those furnish they're they're selling friends furniture. You can buy the apothecary table now at Pottery Barn. Which you know how much it costs? Uh, I'm no. gonna guess it's about fifteen hundred dollars. Uh, I have I have no idea. I'll check it out. Okay. I mean, I'll do it. I'll do would it. Would you buy it? Would you like want to buy a piece of furniture from your, is I would, it your I favorite would, sitcom? I would not be no, it's not my favorite sitcom. And no, I wouldn't buy any um and he, I don't think I would buy anything because of – no, I wouldn't buy anything because it was on Friends. Friends, yeah. But the stuff that they had on Friends, was I really liked, liked anyway. Right. So I the, mean, no, nobody's selling anything from like Joey and Chandler's apartment. No, no. So you don't have to be concerned. But maybe the recliners. So the apothecary or table the uh, made uh, season six whenever uh, Rachel buys the table f- uh, from Pottery Barn and she convinces Phoebe that it came from a yard sale. Hmm. That was the whole spin. Sure. So Pottery Barn uh, includes the dark wood storage bench with brass knobbed drawers, along with other items like an embroidered Welcome Friends pillow for the okay. for the retail price of forty nine fifty. What about? I'm telling you, someone should sell the frame that that went around the keyhole opening uh-huh. in the door. Yeah. I mean, that was a weird design. Yeah, it, and it was really cool. Yeah. I mean, I remember seeing that from the one of the very first episodes and thinking. Why didn't I ever think of that? Mm-hmm. I should mm-hmm. do that. Right. We were at a, a picnic yesterday, and uh, I've got a, th- a three-year-old nephew, and he was wearing a Batman T-shirt. And uh, his dad was telling me he's obsessed with Batman. And um, he said, but I can't show any of the Batman mo- new Batman movies. So we've been watching the entirety of the Burt Ward uh, 1960s Batman TV show. Now, there's a lot of design elements there, but no one's selling Anything from Batman. Right. Right. Nobody's selling anything from Seinfeld, I can tell you that for sure. <laughs> Jerry's apartment. The Boy, bicycle the on the wall. Like, the bicycle on the wall. That's what you, you know, because anybody living in New York, I had a bike on the wall in New York because the space was so limited. Sure. Just hanging on the wall. Sure. From Mad About You. Remember when she threw the turkey out the window? <laughs> yeah. That's a great show. Hey, stick around. Five o'clock hour. We're talking about uh, Man on Moon. Charles Fishman joins us. Word that changes the world. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group.
With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. The Trump administration has dramatically ramped up efforts to keep fewer migrants from crossing the southern border. The administration is moving to end asylum protections for most Central American migrants. A new rule expected to go into effect tomorrow says any asylum seekers who first pass through another country will be ineligible for asylum in the U.S., though there will be exceptions, such as for migrants who've been trafficked. Current law says refugees can request asylum here regardless of how they arrive, also with exceptions. The administration's new policy will almost certainly face legal challenges, as have its earlier bids to send asylum seekers back over the border and keep some detained while their cases play out. Sagar Magani at the White House. On Wall Street, the Dow by 27 points. The Nasdaq rose 14, the S&P up a fraction. This is SRN News. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, driven by Calusi Chevrolet, serving the Pittsburgh area for over 100 years. Imagine doing one thing that gives you an entirely different perspective about your place in the world. Think it would be worth it? Dennis Prager here inviting you to join me for a 10-day Stand with Israel tour, a tour through the land of Israel in December 2019. Come with me to get first-hand insight into Israel's fascinating past and promising future. Walk the ancient temple steps, sail on the Sea of Galilee, and so many more unforgettable moments. Return home inspired, renewed, and empowered if you've ever dreamed of Seeing Israel, this is your opportunity with expert guides and important lectures at key sites. We'll be together in the comfort and safety of luxurious accommodations the whole time. Join me for a life-changing adventure to give you a renewed sense of purpose. Get more details about the trip or sign up now to join other Word FM listeners on the Stand with Israel tour by going to wordfm.com slash Israel. That's wordfm.com slash Israel. Hey, it's John Hall. So a a while back, the folks at My Pillow said, "Hey John, can you try out a My Pillow and let us know what you think?" I was skeptical. I mean, it's a pillow, but what did I have to lose, right? I'll tell you what I lost: interrupted sleep. No more folding the pillow in half. No more flat, lifeless pillows. It changed my life. So I'm letting you know, you need My Pillow. Well, not my actual pillow, but your own My Pillow. It stays cool all night long. No more waking up at 3 a.m. to flip to the cool side of the pillow. It keeps its shape. No more reshaping your pillow in the middle of the night. It comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee. Try it. Don't like it? Return it. My pillow comes with a 10-year warranty. Do you have a pillow that comes with a 10-year warranty? You can toss a my pillow into your washer and dryer. It's like new again. Get a two-pack of my pillows premiums for $69.98. That's only $34.99 per pillow, the lowest price ever offered on radio or TV. This offer is only available at mypillow.com or call 800 391 Use promo code WORD. Once upon a time, customers would find your business with this big, thick book full of phone numbers and competitors' phone numbers. It was a heavy, cumbersome, yellowish-looking thing. You'd place your ad in the book and hope customers would call. Hello? Now, there's Salem Surround, delivering customers with targeted digital marketing. Get started with a free evaluation of your digital presence and great ideas to increase your online visibility and revenue. Learn more at surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. Somewhere today, at a Christian school near you, a teacher arrived at work. Not because of a paycheck, but a calling, a divine privilege to invest their skills, their time, their academic training, their entire life to equip young minds for success in this world and beyond. This is how love inspires learning. Visit PittsburghChristianSchools.net. Education for mind and soul. 
pittsburghchristianschools.net. Tonight we'll have partly cloudy skies, warm, more humid night with a low 68. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy skies with an afternoon thunderstorm, warm and buggy with the high 84. It'll be cloudy, steamy with a couple of showers around tomorrow night. It will be near 70. And then for Wednesday, we'll have Barry moving through the area, so look for clouds and a couple of soaking showers and thunderstorms, mainly in the afternoon. With your Racky Weather Forecast, I'm Frank Strait. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. How'd you meet your wife? How'd you meet your husband? I mean, you know, when you get together at a party or wherever, you get close to a couple, everybody tells that story. For me, I I met my wife uh, on Thanksgiving Day. I, I, I had just left New York City, and my best friend said, come on up, man. You know, we're getting together... Uh, for a little Thanksgiving thing up in the country. So I, I drove up and uh, knocked on this cabin door uh, upstate New York and hello. And uh, I didn't know, you know, my buddy's inside. I know that. My buddy Don. Somebody opens the door, this attractive young woman. She says, Hi, I'm Rhonda. I said, Hey, what are you doing? And that's how we met. And so and we, that was that. Yeah. I mean, you know, through a friend of a friend is how we met. But, Kath. You're saying this is going to go by the wayside. Uh, new research is showing something different, John. What's that? It's showing that uh, the uh, top way the couples meet yeah. in today's America, online. Yeah, that makes sense, doesn't it? Forty percent. Forty percent of couples of meet couples online. Couples say they meet online. Yeah. Wow. Every other way. You know, being introduced by a friend, yeah. meeting in college, knowing each other from high school, whatever. Blind date. Every other way other than met in a bar or restaurant has gone down really? in the last five years. Met in a bar or restaurant. Right. But the number one way people are meeting is online. That's rough. Well, I, I, I think probably it's a better way to meet somebody, don't you think? Meeting somebody online? Yeah. I mean, I've not done it, but... I would imagine that because you can't, well, I guess you can see the person if you chose to see the person, right? But you would just have a conversation. Again, this is me presupposing. I have no knowledge. But it's a blind conversation, so you're engaged in, there's no social tells here. You go to the heart of the matter. You mean online? Yeah. I feel like it's all presentation, though. Presentation or just BS? Oh, well, maybe that means the same yeah, thing. Yeah. Maybe it means the same thing. Okay, now let me tell you this. I met my husband when I was playing the prostitute in the church play. Right. He's the Puerto Rican <laughs> Marine. <laughs> so, I mean, you can't replicate something like that online. No, I mean, I guess a, you could. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, how'd you guys meet? Now that I think of it, it's probably common. Uh, but... <laughs> But, you know, when he came up after the play was over. Wait, he saw, he was in the audience. Yeah. And he was like, oh, I got to meet her. Right. <laughs> and you got to admire his moxie. You do. Yeah. You got to, he said, I am Eric Evans. And I was like, yeah. Hey, yeah. How he, are you doing? He knew what he wanted. <laughs> Apparently he got it. He did good. Yeah. But it, you know, they called me the hooker from church for, I don't know, a full two years, Who? maybe. Who called you he the hooker and, from he church? He and his roommate. 
Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Wait, wait, wait. Hey, the hooker from church is coming over? No, they would just say, hey, hey have yeah. you had any more further you know, conversations conversation with the hooker with from the church? church? Yeah. <laughs> it's like a ministry opportunity. I was playing the wayward wife. I was mm. Gomer mm. in the Hosea story. <laughs> surprise, surprise, surprise. But anyway, you know, it took, a, it, obviously it took uh, a couple years of time. But, you know, if it was because I just, we were around you know we were in the same church mm-hmm. we'd see each other periodically oh yeah you know he was in his small group i had my small group it was like a different i don't know it's just you you get to know each you get to know people without it being a dating thing what do you mean at church yeah or just if you in any circumstance where you're just in the same orbit kind yeah. of as somebody you don't really know them but you know who they are right and so you're kind of meeting people who know them and they're meeting people who know you and so you're kind of establishing what a person is like oh, that's good before you go out on a date that's mm-hmm. the thing you could never do online right yeah i like that i mean you also can't really do that if you're meeting somebody in a bar or restaurant no mike how'd you meet mrs new mike um i actually well, before before Mrs. New Mike, I went on ChristianMingle.com. No. Yeah. Oh. I'm whoa, so happy whoa. to know this. No. Ta- wait. Tell us everything. Okay. How'd that work out? Right. I want to hear right, every so, detail. Okay. We'll do. All right. So- <laughs> you posted your photo. I didn't I didn't sign myself up. My sister did. Oh. Whoa. Yeah. Because I, I was in a terrible relationship, and I just wanted a break for a, for a, for a while. Sure. So my, uh, my sister called me. She goes, Mike. I'm going to put you on Christian Mingle. I said, no, please don't. Please don't. She did it anyway. Mm-hmm. And, um, so good sister. Good mm-hmm. sister. The next day, I get an email, and uh, this girl was interested in me. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'll mingle. You are so, flattered, weren't you? Yeah. Heck yeah, man. Somebody's digging me. Heck yeah. This was about six years ago. And, um, <laughs> yeah, so awesome. we were doing the show six years exactly. ago right. and then all of a sudden this guy shows yeah. up exactly six Christ, and a half actually Christian mingle. Yeah. But, but anyway, I was <laughs> the, the day, the, the day before I went on, on a date with this girl from Christian mingle, I met my future wife from a friend and my friend was actually talking to my future wife. What? On Christian Mingle or no, in person? Not a, okay. just on, yeah, just just in person. He was interested in her. He wasn't. My friend was interested in my wife. Yes. Yeah. And so my friend called me up. Hey, we're hanging out at Point Park. Uh, Want to hang out with us? I was like, Yeah, sure, let's go. So I went down and there he introduced was. me, and I was like, Yeah, man, heck yeah. Uh huh. But I, this could be a different kind of Christian yeah, Mingle. This could be, yeah, exactly. But I didn't. I don't want to pursue her because yeah. I knew my friend was interested. Well, um, we we all exchanged numbers. And the next day, I went out on this date with this girl from Christian Mingle. Blind date. Blind date. Mm. I, I took her to uh, – we went, we went to pick apples in, we- at, in Wexford. Nice. Really? At first Sorgles? date? At Sorgles, yeah. yeah. Sorgles. It was a first date. Well, let's pick apples. That's and make, a good first date. Make yeah, apple pie. That's good. We, 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 you we, made a pie? Yeah. We give you a thumbs up on that. Yeah. Wait. You picked apples and then you made a pie? Yeah, yeah. That's a, lo- that's a long date. Oh, yeah. It was fun. And the, but the whole entire time, my wife was blowing up my phone. <gasps> Not you know she, she wasn't was my wife at the, at the time obviously but yeah she was going hey 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 and the girl that I was with from Christian Mingle while we were baking the pie Uh-oh. she goes wow someone's really trying to get a hold of you Uh-oh. and I I was like yeah <laughs> I was like I don't I don't know it's good to be in demand well yeah. it's like he's mingling with two people is yeah. what he's yeah. doing so um I I texted her back and said hey I'm on a date right now oh that was smart and mm-hmm. um then she I'll, I'll get back I'll get back to you. 
Well, she started blowing up, blowing up my phone even more. <laughs> that, that was such a good strategy. Oh my gosh! So I, <laughs> she aggressive. Yeah. So the the, uh, the girl that I was on a date with from Christian Mingle, we finished up baking pies, and um, it was a nice day. She was a nice girl. Yeah. Uh, but no sparks. No sparks. The next day, she emailed me back. She messaged me back on my phone. I didn't message her back at all. I felt oh, the mingling dog. stopped cold. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then the so next, you never talked to her again. Never talked to her again. Never talked to her again after that. And then the next day, I I texted my wife back and want some pie. Said hey, because <laughs> I just baked it with another girl. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Oh, that's rough. Yeah. But um. Okay, so he's one of the forty yeah. percent. He's one. Yeah. No, there's a generational divide. Right. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, do you know anybody, friends of yours right now, who met purely online? Yeah, yeah. And it worked out, and they got married. Okay. Um, would, would I do it? I mean, I did it. Oh, you're married. But you did it, but you didn't try to. Your sister did it. Right. I wonder if you would have done it if it was just you. No, I wouldn't have. And it, but it wasn't a bad experience. And it wasn't. It, was, it really wasn't a bad experience. See, I th- I kind of like that. It takes the pressure it off. It felt like a blind date, though, mm. of course, because, you know, you never... You, you didn't, anxious. You didn't Were you anxious? I was. I was really anxious. Mm. I mean, I, I'm not meeting this person face-to-face. Well, I any never... blind date is anxious, though, no yeah. matter how you set it up, whether right. it's set up through a friend or your right, right. sister or, you, you know, online. That's very nerve-wracking. Yeah. Aren't you glad those dating days are oh, long God. Oh, my gosh. Did you did, what, did you have a terrible blind date? Oh, the worst. The worst. I don't want to go there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I'm just done. I'm, I'm so glad that I'm just done having to try. Yes. Yeah. To but, try. But you you should still try to pursue your spouse, obviously. Exactly. But, but there's no pressure. Like you yeah, know, no. your spouse. You, you know. love her. She loves yeah, you. Exactly. Boy, that's exactly. rough. She as it, when Harry says, and when Harry met Sally, she's supposed to love you. Right. Right. <laughs> Take a break. Hey, we're going to talk with Charles Fishman in a little bit about One Giant Leap, the story of Apollo 11. Tomorrow marks 50 years to the day that Apollo 11 made its mission towards the moon. 101.5 WORD. This week on Truth For Life with Alistair Begg, we've come to the end of our study on the gospel according to Mark. You'll hear the compelling conclusion Tuesday. And then join us for some specially selected messages Wednesday through Friday on Truth For Life with Alistair Begg. Truth For Life with Alistair Begg. Tomorrow morning at 6 on 101.5 WORD. You watch what you eat. You're hitting the gym. You're doing your best to live a healthy life. But did you know that a bad night's sleep and a bad mattress can have a big impact on your health? Here at the Original Mattress Factory, our hand-built mattresses made of the highest quality materials provide the comfort and support needed to provide healthy sleep for years to come. To learn more about how the right mattress can help you achieve healthy sleep habits, visit OriginalMattress.com or stop by an Original Mattress Factory store near you. The gimmicks, the flashy sales, and the big markups. Mattress stores have made the mattress shopping experience confusing on purpose. Ron Trzinski started the original Mattress Factory to create a better way. He raised the bar on quality, offered hand-built mattresses for a fraction of the cost, and ditched the high-pressure sales tactics, all to create a better mattress buying experience for you. You could say he was the original disruptor. 
Stop by an Original Mattress Factory store or visit us at OriginalMattress.com to see the OMF difference for yourself. Do you remember what was kept in a spring house? If you're an old timer, you know that a spring house was used for storing fresh cold milk. In 84 Pennsylvania, we have another kind of spring house. Our spring house is an old-fashioned country store filled with all kinds of old-time gifts, great country foods, and you guessed it, fresh cold milk. You see, the spring house in 84 is also a dairy farm where we milk our own cows, pasteurize and homogenize the milk, and sell it all through the store. We've had people tell us it has to be some special kind of gourmet milk. We don't add anything to the cow's diet or to the milk. It's just nature's purest, most perfect food, and we love the way our customers love it. We also make a chocolate milk you would think is a chocolate shake, an old-fashioned buttermilk that people drive miles to get, and a 40% heavy cream that's wonderful for luscious desserts. Our 2% and our skim are the greatest sellers. Come and try some Springhouse milk at the Springhouse in 84. Are you tired of your old and drafty windows and doors? Pella offers three lines of vinyl, a fiberglass product, and various lines of wood. So we have gorgeous new windows and doors to fit your needs and any budget. You deserve Pella quality. And for a limited time, get $150 off windows and $500 off doors or 48 months no interest. Yeah, we can do that. Call 888-77-PELLA, PellaPittsburgh.com. Fifty years ago tomorrow, Apollo 11 blasted off from Cape Kennedy in Florida. And for the first time ever, a spaceship with men aboard left the earthly bounds and headed towards a distant foreign object. Fifty years. I mean, I I was 12 years old. Uh, I remember this very, very clearly. I remember it like it was yesterday. I was a big space fan and uh, just obsessed by it all. And I think a lot of guys my age who grew up in the 60s were sort of similar-minded. So this 50th anniversary is a big deal to a lot of people. If you were alive, fabulous. If not, I mean, really, just uh, tutor yourself on this. There's so many wonderful resources that are out there. And I've greatly enjoyed uh, a book called One Giant Leap, The Impossible Mission That Flew Us to the Moon. Charles Fishman has written this book, and Charles is with us right now. Charles, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. Charles, uh, fascinating work. I mean, really, just uh, the, the work One Giant Leap is filled with so many great stories, so many wonderful things about the, about the program. And, and i, I got to start off by talking about uh, JFK, because what happened with JFK as he became president and uh, a few years earlier with Sputnik sort of shocking the world and JFK's commitment to putting a man on the moon by the end of the, the, uh, end of the decade in 1970, and then, of course, JFK's assassination and all the machinations forward. If JFK had not died, if JFK had done a second term as president, most likely man would not have been on the moon in 1970. What do you think? Uh, I, <laughs> we, we covered a lot of ground there. I think, I think you're exactly right. I mean, look, I think you have to go back and, 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 and provide a little context, which is JFK uh, challenged Americans to go to the moon in 1961 in eloquent terms. But for President Kennedy, this was a Cold War uh, uh, battle. It was a Cold War battlefield. The Russians were doing everything in space first. They launched Sputnik, as you said, the first spaceship of any kind ever. Uh, they launched the first animals into space and brought them home safely. 
They launched the first probe that went to the moon. They launched the first probe that photographed the moon. They launched the first astronaut. They launched the first female astronaut. They launched the first spaceship with two people in it. They did the first spacewalk over and over again. And Kennedy actually said to his staff, coming in second in space is the same as losing. And I don't think we should be losing. And so... So for him, he he could be very eloquent about the importance of space travel and how this was, you know, really our best American selves to reach beyond what was possible and make it possible. But but he was um, a government official. He was a politician. And the the relationship with the Russians changed during his presidency, in part because of the work he did. And so in 1961, There was this huge rivalry. The only way to beat the Russians is to go to the moon. By 1963, Kennedy had really won the Cuban Missile Crisis face-off. That summer, he signed the first Nuclear Arms Limitations Treaty. And so in the fall of 1963, he was told by NASA, you won't be president when we make it to the moon, Mr. President. We're not moving fast enough. And we're not going to make it before 1969. And even if you get another term, you are not going to be the president anymore. And that that conversation between the head of NASA and the president of the United States is on tape. uh, Kennedy had a secret taping system just like Nixon. And you can listen to him being told that he won't be president when we land on the moon. And you can sort of hear the disappointment. And I think in Toward the end of 1963, Kennedy was thinking really two things. The American space program has surged forward during my presidency, and and we have caught up to the Russians. And our relationship with the Russians is different now, and we don't need to go to the moon, at least not this quickly, to prove that we're better than they are. And by the way, this is costing a heck of a lot of money. And there are things I'd like to do right back at home. So I think you're exactly right. I don't think we'd be celebrating the 50th anniversary if President Kennedy had not been assassinated. But there it is. There's history, uh, right, out of control. Now, one of the things you talk about in One Giant Leap, that uh, you said essentially that as Kennedy, as eloquent as he was, um, by him saying, you know, we will go to the moon, we'll go to the moon, we're going to go to the moon, uh, there were no plans in place. There was no map here of how to do this. They essentially basically made this whole thing up out of, you know, out of whole cloth. <laughs> that is exactly right. When Kennedy said, let's go to the moon, uh, not only was there no plan to go to the moon, more than half of Americans had never even been on an airplane in May 1961. Wow. That's what May 1961 was like. He was asking Americans to fly to the moon, and most of us hadn't yet been on an airplane of any kind. There <laughs> wow. were no spaceships. There were no there were no spaceships. There were no rockets strong enough to go to the moon. There was no computer small enough to fly to the moon. In fact, inside NASA at that moment, there was an argument about whether astronauts would be able to think in space, whether your would work in zero gravity. So, in eight years, NASA and the and the 400,000 people working on Apollo literally invented space travel. It's it's really a remarkable performance. It really is. Okay, so one of the great stories you tell, which I I just can't really wrap my head around so much because making up uh, making it up out of whole cloth. You, you talk about the the early days of computing, and I, and I'm going to read a little piece here. 
you write this. The Apollo spacecraft computers contained memory composed of ones and O's like all modern computer memory. For Apollo, the fixed memory that contained the program was composed of exactly 589,824 ones and O's. Inside the memory portion of that one cubic foot box that was the Apollo guidance computer, that meant there were 589,824 wires, and each wire was either a 1 or an O. If the wire was threaded through the center of a tiny ring magnet, that was a 1. If it was threaded just to the outside of the tiny ring magnet, it was a 0. And every one of those 589,824 wires was threaded by hand in a factory in Waltham, Massachusetts. I mean, that is amazing. By a former former textile worker, (laughs) by a woman who had been making who had been making clothing uh, just six months earlier. Incredible, incredible, incredible. Yeah. First of all, let's take let's take a step back because five hundred eighty nine thousand wires sounds like a lot of wires. The the Apollo spacecraft computer was the smallest, fastest, most nimble computer that had ever been created, and it had less brain power than your microwave oven. Do not let your microwave oven fly you to the moon. <laughs> um, but, but in those days, 73 KB of memory was a lot. And at the same time, that computer was so cutting edge. It happened at an odd moment in the world of computers between vacuum tubes and transistors and the kind of computers we know about with disk drives and, 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 um, and semiconductor memory. And the only way to do the memory for that advanced computer was to weave it by hand, one wire at a time, exactly what you exactly what you read. Women with needles and wire instead of thread had to weave, and they weren't weaving memory that the astronauts could then put stuff in and take stuff out of. Those were the programs. So if one wire was in the wrong place, then that part of the computer program didn't work correctly. And so it was a it was a ast- astonishing work. It took two dozen women eight weeks to weave the memory for one computer, and so you can imagine how tedious that was. Yeah. But also, it had to be perfect. Their work had to be perfect if the astronauts were going to be able to do their work. Charles Fishman's with us. His work called "One Giant Leap: The Impossible Mission That Flew Us to the Moon." Tomorrow is the 50th anniversary of Apollo 11 taking off, and Charles Fishman's here to talk to us about this. Charles, of course, our, our time is short, but I want to leap forward in a huge arc and talk about uh, Apollo 8, 1968. So, um, uh, Apollo 1 was. Uh, just a, an unmitigated disaster. Three astronauts lost their lives. The program was shut down so they could get themselves together and look at uh, redesign of safety features and whatnot. But then finally, 1968, um, after a tumultuous year of Bobby Kennedy being killed and Martin Luther King, the, the Tet Offensive, Chicago riots during the Democratic National Convention, it was a heck of a year for America. But then in Christmas, uh, three men took off for the moon and for the first time ever, we got to see the moon, uh, the Earth, as what it looked like from outer space. And as they were circling the moon on Christmas Eve, these men read from Genesis. I mean, it was an unparalleled success. It was shocking and beautiful at the same time. 
Uh, it was it was astounding. It really was quite a performance. Um, uh, 1968 was such a terrible year in American history in so many ways. In addition to all the things you listed, the riots, the assassination of two big political leaders, the Vietnam War, it was the deadliest year for Americans in Vietnam. 50 American service people killed every single day for 365 straight years on uh, days on average. Wow. A terrible year. And then you have this capsule circling the moon. Um, they went into orbit 10 times. It was a technological triumph. We proved that we could fly to the moon, enter orbit, and navigate successfully. That was that kind of pinpoint navigation out in space, a brilliant performance by MIT, by the astronauts, by the computer. And then it happened on Christmas Eve, and they read... Uh, from Genesis, each of the astronauts read a few passages from the opening uh, 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 lines of Genesis to the world, and that and they were they were broadcasting um, pictures of the surface of the moon out the window as they orbited. It was just a kind of <laughs> a sort of magnificent moment, even for for people who wouldn't normally be moved by Genesis, for instance. It was just an incredible moment. That, that was the largest television audience in history. Time magazine, at the end of that mission, mission the, sort of the next issue or the issue after that, was the, the quote-unquote man of the year issue, person of the year issue. And Time picked those three astronauts as the men of the year for that terrible year, 1968, because they said right at the end, those three men redeemed the entire year. They saved it from desolation. So, an, an incredible, and it was also, by the way, that was an improvisation. The lunar module wasn't ready. NASA was worried the Russians were going to send a mission just like that, not land, just go around the moon and come back and then raise their hand and say, we did it. We went to the moon. We didn't land, but we went there. Right. And this mission, this mission sort of, precluded that. We had, quote-unquote, lassoed the moon. We had, Americans had arrived at the moon before anyone else. So Fabulous. it was it was, it was was quite a performance all the way around. It sure was. So then, uh, from December of 68 to July of 69, seven short months later, of course, there were several other flights that uh, worked out the kinks in the lunar module. And then, before you know it, there's Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong coming down on the surface of the moon, and you write in one giant leap that the astronauts themselves, even amongst themselves, the conversation was, well, they gave themselves a 50-50 chance that they would succeed first time landing on the moon, and sure enough, they did. Yeah, there was, there, everything had been done to make sure this mission was going to be a success. In fact, Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong had practiced using um, computer simulators, what the kind of computer simulators you could imagine creating in 1969. Um, they had practiced landing on the moon hundreds of times. Uh, and, and uh, you know, the, the spacecraft were as, as, as perfectly constructed and inspected as possible. And still many people inside NASA weren't sure it was going to happen. Neil Armstrong and, and Buzz Aldrin and their colleague, Michael Collins, was, was orbiting overhead. Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin said later on, they said, we were going to land on the moon. We didn't care what happened with that spaceship. We were taking her down because you don't come that far over that many years and, and bail out and bail out at the last minute. But they were also military pilots. They, 
they understood rules and, and regulations, but they were determined. And in fact, that landing had a whole cascade of problems that might have prevented them from landing. And Aldrin and Armstrong coped with those problems really beautifully. In the end, they landed with very little fuel left, and they had to find a whole new landing spot right at the last minute. So they, the, the Apollo 11 landing almost didn't happen, in fact. Yeah. I mean, that's just, that's just guts, right? Moxie. that These guys, they were going to do it regardless. So, Charles, I'm sorry, our time is short. I wish I could talk to you for another hour or so. So uh, it's all said and done. Fifty years have since passed. You know, you, you, you gave a really great case about uh, uh, the space program really uh, ushering in the digital age. Without the space program, right, we would not be where we were, at least uh, so quickly with computers and whatnot. But what's your big takeaway? Fifty years after the fact, and, you know, we've kind of blasé about it. We sort of wasted all that uh, forward motion. And now other nations are going to jump onto the moon as well. Um, it, it's still something to celebrate. It's still something to be proud of. You know, I'll tell you what, I, I have I have two, two big takeaways. I think, first of all, we shouldn't be nostalgic about that era or that America. We did, we are as good or better, I think we are a better country than we were in 1969. We are as capable of doing great things as the America of 1969 was, and we have, we do. We invented the Internet. We decoded the genome. We gave you the iPhone and Microsoft and all the rest of it. That, that spirit of America is still alive. I think the most important thing to take from it is Americans will do hard work. We will tackle the hardest problems that face us if we are asked. We love to be told something's hard. We love to be told something's impossible and then turn around and prove wrong the person who told us it was impossible. That is part of the you know American character and the yes. American spirit. And by the way, that was a much more divisive time than now. And yet no one in a factory in Waltham, no one in a manufacturing line for lunar modules or, or command modules or spacesuits, those folks weren't worried about what anybody in particular thought about Vietnam or Hubert Humphrey or Richard Nixon. They were unified in this mission. And so what I came away incredibly optimistic about what Americans can and will accomplish with the right kind of leadership. And so I'm, I, am, I, I, think, I think we're about to enter a really exciting era of space travel driven by SpaceX and, and Elon Musk and, and Jeff Bezos and Blue Origin. But more important, there's a larger lesson, which is we will do the hardest things that we are asked to do, and we will succeed. That's, how, that's, that's what the national character is. Outstanding. That's a great way to end. Charles, thanks an awful lot. One giant leap. The impossible mission that flew us to the moon. Charles Fishman, 50 years tomorrow, we head off to the moon. Hey, we'll take a break. Come back. Stick around. Guess what time it is. I've been waiting all day for this. It is time now for today's $1,000 daily cash giveaway, Word FM, Word of the Day. Are you having fun with words? It's going to give away $1,000 in cash to somebody. Remember these words. The Word FM Word of the Day is Baldwin. Enter the word Baldwin online at wordfm.com forward slash cash, and you'll have the chance to win $1,000. Again, the Word FM Word of the Day is Baldwin. Do you find yourself struggling to get comfortable while trying to read or watch TV in bed? Consider an adjustable bed from the original Mattress Factory and elevate your sleep experience. Raise your head and feet to the zero-gravity position to help relieve joint pressure and provide optimal comfort. 
The Original Mattress Factory offers two models of high-quality adjustable beds at an excellent value. Both models are designed to pair perfectly with an Original Mattress. Visit an Original Mattress Factory location near you to find the perfect adjustable bed and mattress for you. Providence Presbyterian Church, Washington Alliance Church, Bethlehem Lutheran Church, St. John the Baptist Church, Impact Christian Church, The Bible Chapel. What do all these churches from various denominations have in common? Nello Construction. Design and build with one company. Nello Construction. Full service construction from the ground up. Renovation. Expansion. Nello Construction. The choice for churches. See the projects. Begin the journey at NelloConstruction.com. Eating, working, living pain-free. These are a few of the things many of us take for granted. Yet for many United States military veterans, finding and affording oral health care is a challenge many of us don't think about. Dental Lifeline Network is looking for dentists who can change this. DLN is asking dentists and their teams to volunteer to see one veteran with special needs one time per year. Visit WillYouSeeOneVet.org to learn more. That's WillYouSeeOneVet.org. Hey, before you know it, we'll be back in a session as far as school goes. But, you know, we're halfway through the summer, and it's probably a good time to reflect on what the school year was like. And so we can see how the summer's going and then look ahead to the fall. Well, I have a daughter who's between her sophomore and junior year at Grove City College, and so she's now halfway through her summer job. It's given us a good chance to evaluate how her last semester at Grove City impacted what she's doing this summer. And, you know, I'm really, really happy about it. And it's not just that she's utilizing stuff that she learned in the classroom as much as it is that I can see that she's learned how to integrate her faith with book knowledge, and it's all coming together so that when she's in the workplace, she's actually... I don't know. She's thinking differently. She's functioning better. I really think the training she's getting at Grove City is making a big difference at work. I agree, Kath. My son will be coming uh, a senior at Grove City College this year. And you see, you see the growth in your child's life from a senior in high school to a senior in college. He's an intern at a local robotics company here in the city of Pittsburgh. I'm excited for him. And I know that many of those powers, much of the strength that he's derived has come from those last three years at Grove City College. So you as a parent thinking about your child and what the future holds, both Kath and I would recommend you take a good look at Grove City College for the future growth of your child, not only in intellectual growth, but as a Christian as well. GCC.edu, Grove City College. Tonight we'll have partly cloudy skies, warm, more humid night with a low 68. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy skies with an afternoon thunderstorm, warm and buggy with the high 84. It'll be cloudy, steamy with a couple of showers around tomorrow night, but we'll be near 70. And then for Wednesday, we'll have Barry moving through the area, so look for clouds, and a couple of soaking showers and thunderstorms, mainly in the afternoon. With your Iraqi weather forecast, I'm Frank Strait. On Twitter right now, I see uh, an interesting quiz going around, and I'm excited about it because I want to present this quiz to New Mike. Oh, yeah. New Mike, this quiz is called, How Millennial Are You? Okay. You're going to get one point, Mike, for every food and drink you've consumed on this list. (laughs) And then at the end, I will tally (laughs) your points. And we will determine exactly how millennial you oh, are. Okay, good. I'm how many, excited. How okay. many questions are here? Um, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, thirty. Thirty. Thirty items. Thirty items. You ready? Okay, here let's we do go. It. Avocado toast. No, haven't tried. No. What's wrong with you? Charcoal water. No. 
What is that? Rainbow bagel. No. <laughs> I don't even know what that is, but no. Unicorn frap. No. Cronut. Nope. Black ice cream. No. Cloud eggs. What are these what, things? Yeah, what are these things? What's a, what's a cloud egg? Quinoa. Quinoa, yes. Pumpkin spice latte. Yes. Kombucha. No. Matcha anything. No. <laughs> Matcha anything. Poke. Poke? Like tuna. Oh, yeah. Poke's tuna? Yeah, like tuna. Like poke. Yeah, it's raw tuna, you know. No, I didn't know. That's what I'm saying. Okay. LaCroix. La no. Turmeric latte. No. Acai bowl. No. Overnight oats. No. Ramen burger. Ramen burger. Yeah. No. Mermaid toast. Nope. Never even heard of it. Sushi burrito. No. Rolled ice cream. No. Oat milk. Nope. Rosé. Uh-uh. Bone broth. <laughs> what? On a daily basis. No. Impossible burger. Nope. Almond butter. Yes. Green juice. No. Cauliflower rice. Nope. Boba. Never heard of it. Bulletproof coffee? Nope. Waffle sandwich? No. How'd I do? That's your, it. Your final score out of a possible 30 is four. He's a boomer. Okay, four. So you know what um, your category is called? What's that? Canceled. Hey! Your millennial status is now canceled oh, no, no. because you did not ingest one or more than 10 of these items. No, was, is, are you a, a prime millennial or are you a, on the fringe? I'm, I'm going to be 33 in September. I don't really know so, what that means as far as I, yeah, I don't know I what don't, the range of millennials. Right, I don't know either. But I am personally disappointed that you have not had bone broth. Yeah, me, me too. Or mermaid toast. What? What is? <laughs> I don't know. And I've never heard of a unicorn frap. What's quinoa? Oh, quinoa is a grain. It's a, you've never had quinoa? No, no. Quinoa is no. a grain, like, you know, rice quinoa or Quinoa anything bulgur. you said. No, uh, matcha anything. Oh, matcha, matcha. Yeah, matcha. I don't What's like that? that at all. Have you tried that? No, that's I don't nasty. even know what that is. No, well, no, because of course you, you didn't know. Matcha, that's a Japanese thing. Oh, now, matcha. if you took this, you'd probably come into a millennial. Uh, I'm. You probably done I'm, more, you've done more than Mike, I bet. Maybe, maybe. I mean, I've certainly had about a hundred pieces of avocado toast. What is I've wrong with you? I've never once had avocado toast. <gasps> Neither yeah. one of you have had avocado no, toast. I no. love avocado, but Me not, too. Well, then I never put it on my toast. Avocado toast? Well, I never it? tried it. I never had the oh opportunity. Oh my gosh. No, they sell it downstairs. It's oh, delicious. Do. Wait, so it's just, it's it's just a piece of everywhere. toast with some avocado? No, 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 no. Some guac on well, it? Well, I mean, it depends on how you do it. So avocado. you can you can butter your toast and it's good to have like a, a delicious seedy bread. Yeah. Okay. Delicious yeah, seedy yeah. bread. You put your butter on top. Then you can slice your avocado, thinly slice your avocado mm-hmm. on there. Okay. Yeah. Then you're putting very thinly sliced radish on top of your avocado. Yeah. And then you're doing a nice kosher salt huh. on top of it. Actually okay? sounds pretty good. Yeah, it's I need fabulous. That. Okay. Now here's another thing you can do is instead of slicing your avocado, mm. you put it in a bowl. And you smash it with a little bit of olive oil and some fresh lemon juice. Okay? So you have smashed avocado. You put that on your buttered toast. You put your radish on top of that. And then you season it with the kosher salt. You are home. Can can we have this tomorrow? Can you bring some in? It is so delicious. Have you made this at home? I mean, I bet I've made it 50 times. What? I eat it all the time. I've never. How have we never talked about this? I don't know. We need to have this. It's one of my favorites. I've never. I mean, my kid will make guac for us. 
No. Well, I mean, I love guac. But what's cool about avocado toast is that it's kind of – it makes you feel breakfasty. Really? It's a Hmm. breakfasty thing. Here's another thing. On top of the radish, you put a fried egg. Oh, yeah. That that sounds good. Oh, yeah. What? Listen to me. Now, what's the deal with the radish? Because radishes have a weird I a never weird liked taste. radishes. I don't mind a radish. I don't like them. I, I've never liked them what? until recently with the avocado toast thing. I started buying them because that's, you know, the recommended presentation. Yeah. Now I'm so into them. Oh, yeah. I don't know what's happened. On your salad. A whole vista's opened up for mm-hmm. me. Now, a small layer of mayonnaise on that sandwich would would fare well. A small I'm, layer. <laughs> you think a small layer of mayonnaise helps everything. <laughs> it does. Which a, a lot of millennials, layer. a lot of millennials... I don't like don't like mayonnaise. Which yeah, I don't, that's I don't another get. thing. I'm taking like one of your points. That. You only got four points. I'm taking one away. You're only getting three. All right, mm. you're still canceled. That's right. They, you're millennials. What are millennials it. like? Miracle Whip. <laughs> no, they don't like they don't like mayonnaise at all. No, no. not even Miracle Whip. They're just doing uh, they're doing a uh, a lemon seasoned olive oil. Yeah, and then they're going to preach about it on social media. There's some odd stuff on that list. It's very. What is unicorn? Tu- a turmeric latte sounds awful. What is that? You know what turmeric is, right? Yeah, yeah. Some Ew. weird spice. Imagine it in a latte. I don't think that's good. No, thanks. I like being a boomer. 101.5 WORD. Here's Dr. Charles Stanley. Our true identity is that you and I are in Christ Jesus. You and I have been saved by the unmerited, undeserved favor of God the Father through His Son as He died at Calvary. That's the way we're saved. Hear the series, Discovering Our True Identity, this week on In Touch with Dr. Charles Stanley. Tomorrow morning at 8.30 on 101.5 WORD. So you sit down and do your budget, and you look at all your monthly costs and your bills and your income, and it seems like there's never quite enough. You know what would really help, finding $500 a month to help balance things out. That is the typical savings, $500 a month for a family when you switch to MediShare for your health care. And when it comes to health care sharing ministries, MediShare is really the gold standard. It's been around for 25 years and has more than 400,000 members. It's been around so long and grown so much because it works. And whether you're single or married or have kids, this could make sitting down to do a monthly budget a lot more fun. $500 a month can more than cover a car payment or payback loans, whatever. So join MediShare and go out to dinner to celebrate. Here's the number to call. They are incredibly kind and helpful to talk to. 844-41-BIBLE. That's 844-41-BIBLE. 844-41-BIBLE. We're surrounded by noise, bombarded by information, messages struggling to get attention. So many ways to reach customers. Your message needs to cut through and stand out for the resources and know-how to make it all work. There's Salem Surround. Get started with a free evaluation of your digital presence and some great ideas to increase your online visibility and revenue. Learn more at surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. Hi, I'm John Henney from Henney Jewelers. Since 1887, my family has helped people celebrate the most memorable moments in their lives. We are rooted in faith and commit to doing the right thing again and again. We believe in the covenant of marriage and use our to have and to hold program to encourage couples as they prepare to spend the rest of their lives together. Please stop into our Shadyside store to learn more or visit HenneyJewelers.com. Henny Jewelers. Your jewelers for life. 
When wet weather is on the way, keep it dry inside with J&D Waterproofing. Water seepage and a sinking foundation can cause major structural damage if left untreated. Joe Belanti and the team at J&D Waterproofing have the experience to correct your water problem with over 72 years in the industry. Call the Tri-State's premier waterproofing company now at 1-800-VERY-DRY for a free estimate and big savings on all waterproofing services for a limited time. J&D Waterproofing, 1-800-VERY-DRY. So there's a story out there now. You've heard of uh, Area 51? I sure have. Oh, my gosh. I am fascinated by Area 51. Really? Yes. I'm surprised you're not. Uh, It feels like Bigfoot to me. You know, It could it, be Bigfoot, but it's Bigfoot mixed with space. Yeah. It's cool. So, or stupid, depending on what I think it actually is. I think it's probably more stupid than cool. Now, the, the, the government uh, has a facility... Uh, way, way deep in the desert called Area 51. Wouldn't you love to know? Mm-hmm. Well, apparently a million people are ready to find out because what's happening is there's an online petition. Okay. And the petition is saying, essentially, we, the public, want to know. And so if a million of us sign this petition and then back it up by showing up at a certain date and time, we can storm the fences around Area 51, yeah. a million people surging forward, and they will not be able to stop us. And we can find out once and for all what's going on behind mm-hmm. the fences at Area 51. Yeah, large governments respond well to that sort of thing. Yeah. I don't know. Now, despite the very real threat that the authorities would have no choice but to use force in case of this true mass invasion... They are desperate to get to the bottom of the United States government's mm-hmm. secrets, or they're just bored, and they're going to keep that Area 51 hashtag alive. But if you go on Twitter, you'll see hashtag Area 51, and people Great. are serious about this. I like this. So they're thinking if we get a million people crashing the gate at right. Area 51. So that means probably, let's see, conservatively speaking, they'll get 11 people. <laughs> right. Like... When you see those things on Facebook, interested, you know, you're going to go right. to the... So it's easy to say interested. You know, I was watching Comedians in Cars last night, yeah. and I know both of you will appreciate this. It was the episode where he's interviewing Trevor Noah. It's a great... Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, it, yeah. It's a great, you know, 28 minutes. And uh, one of the things Jerry says is, yes, I feel like where we are in American culture is we're trying to get to a place where we can do everything in our underwear. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we can watch sporting events, yep. we can watch movies, we can go shopping, we can protest, mm. right? And Trevor Noah said, see, that's the thing about protesting that people don't get, is if you care enough about something, that means you get up out of your sofa, you actually put pants on over your underwear, and you go out and you make your presence known. There's a price because to be paid. Because an issue is that important to right. you. And Trevor Noah from South Africa, of course, he, he speaks know. of his knowledge. Yeah. Now, instead, we sit in front of our computers in our underwear without having showered in five days, and someone says, you know, do you feel strongly about this issue? Oh. And all we have to do is click 
Yes. I'm outraged. And then instantly I'm outraged and I'm I'm part of the solution. While right. eating quinoa soup. That's right. Mm. When I haven't done anything. Unicorn toast. Not one yeah. thing. Or matcha anything. <laughs> Rainbow bagel. Exactly. Right. Okay, yeah. Exactly. Anyway, I really am fascinated by Why? Area 50. Because it's so cool. I am too. It's a big mystery. It's so cool. I just think it's cheesy. No, it's not cheesy. Because there are enough gaps in knowledge or information that you can fill it in with potential coolness like when you see like the history channel and they show like a rubber image of the dead alien isn't that persuasive somewhere you know, like on an autopsy table <laughs> no in part Area of me wants 51. to believe that uh, it is cheesy especially all of those shows on yeah, the history the channel which you think the history channel is going to be like watching c-span or something and then you realize it's nothing nothing at all like and that then there's always that voice in Area 51, we found the body of the deceased alien. However, if I am homesick or, you know, those days when you absolutely can't do anything but lay on the sofa, you know I'm watching an Area 51 thing. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. Oh, I love it. Really? I lo- and you know what's even better? Books about it. Oh, no. Like some kind of like novel that's like all taken place there and there's also, oh, yeah, uh, something by Douglas serious, Preston. Seriously, though, don't, haven't, hasn't the government tested bombs there? I don't stuff. know. Yeah, Isn't there like random yeah, like yes. chemicals and no, no, no. chemical bombs there? Really? They have. I went to a to a, an arts festival two weekends ago, and it, tucked among the woods were through like a row of authors. Yeah, all the authors were like this: Area Fifty One guys, Bigfoot guys, all these conspiracy theorist guys, and they weren't really interested in talking to people walking by. They were just having their own little party. I just think it feeds on itself. Of course it feeds on itself. Yeah, That's part of the glory of it. That's why they're going to have 11 people instead of a million. Right. I don't think it's going to pan out for them. I don't, I'd don't. i be surprised, I, although you never know. It might be, what if it was 10,000 people? They're never going to get 10,000 people. You know why? Because people protest in their underwear in the right. basement. At least this isn't being funded by the government. Like, exactly. Like the Bigfoot search was. Did what? Did you guys hear about that? No. No. Yeah. No, no, the not government, seriously. There was, yeah, a part of the government was funding search for Bigfoot. Because what if it is what if it's real and then you need to figure it out? I'm telling yeah. you, I you know what I'm persuaded by? Loch Ness monster. Oh not, yes. not that. What, yes. That, that blurry image the is, Loch Ness monster. I believe there is one. No, I think it's true. I don't I've seen it. photographic evidence that is persuasive no. to me. Some dead aliens in 50, Area 51, Maybe. Loch Ness Monster, I feel Bigfoot. better about the Loch Ness Monster, but both are fascinating. It's all and I could read about Bigfoot, too. That's just ridiculous, Colin. I didn't think that a dentist could be a personable, loving person and actually care, but you really do get that feeling from her. Exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care with Dr. Megan Stock. From my previous experiences, it was more of a transactional thing versus a relationship, but with Dr. Megan, it's more you want to go back because you want to get caught up on what's been happening and you want to talk to her about things, so it's kind of cool. Stock Family Dentistry on Perry Highway in Wexford at StockFamilyDentistry.com. Hey, it's John Hall. So a while back, the folks at my pillow said hey john can you try out a my pillow and let us know what you think i was skeptical i mean it's a pillow but what did i have to lose right i'll tell you what i lost interrupted sleep no more folding the pillow in half no more flat lifeless pillows it changed my life so i'm letting you know you need my pillow well not my actual pillow but your own my pillow it stays cool all night long no more waking up at 3 a.m to flip to the cool side of the pillow 
It keeps its shape. No more reshaping your pillow in the middle of the night. It comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee. Try it. Don't like it? Return it. My pillow comes with a 10-year warranty. Do you have a pillow that comes with a 10-year warranty? You can toss a my pillow into your washer and dryer. It's like new again. Get a two-pack of my pillows premiums for $69.98. That's only $34.99 per pillow. The lowest price ever offered on radio or TV. This offer is only available at mypillow.com or call 800-391-0954. Use promo code WORD. Looking to buy a car? Online shopping can be confusing. Not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for the car you want and see what other people pay for it too. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. At Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, find extreme accessories for all your dirty jobs like hauling landscape supplies. Protect your vehicle with spray on bed liners, tonneau covers, weather tech floor liners, and more. Say goodbye to dirt and grime inside and out with extreme detailing. Plus, lift kits, electronics, and remote starters. Always a favorite. Extreme car and truck in Bridgeville. For the extreme in all of us. At extremetruck.net. You know, they say the best is yet to come. But to make that true for your retirement, you need a plan. We'll start by tuning in for Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Kenotic and Ethan Lane with Accurate Solutions Group every Saturday morning at 10. Kurt and Ethan can help simplify the retirement planning process. No technical terms or calculations, no product pushing, just the information you need for retirement. Don't miss Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Kenotic and Ethan Lane of Accurate Solutions Group every Saturday morning at 10, right here on 101.5 Word FM. John 316. For God so loved the world, the whole world, everyone, anyone, that's a lot of people, that he gave his one and only son, his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. (laughs) There's more at FocusOnTheFamily.com. 20 seconds and counting. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. 12, 11, 10, 9. Ignition sequence starts. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Liftoff on Apollo 11. Tower cleared. Here we got a roll program. Neil Armstrong reporting the rolling pitch program, which puts Apollo 11 on a proper heading. Saturday marks the 50th anniversary of Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin walking for the first time on the moon. And, of course, there's a lot of TV specials, movies, books, you name it. Uh, the 50th anniversary is rightly being commemorated. Now, here's a, a weird thing. Saturday's moon landing will also mark uh, an auction at Sotheby's. There was an intern who worked at uh, NASA, and uh, way back uh, in 1972, NASA was getting rid of surplus material from the moon landing. So they auctioned off videotapes of the moon landing, a, a, la- a large lot. And this like intern, VHS. Yeah. And a, this guy bought these for $217, this large lot. They're gonna he be, bought them from NASA initially? Yeah. For uh, for two hundred seventeen dollars, they're going to retail. They're going to uh, at the auction for well over a million dollars. <gasps> the guy's sixty five years old. He said, "It's time I let these things go. I'm now ready to retire." That's an investment that panned out. Two hundred seventeen dollars to well over a million dollars. Fabulous. Hey, thanks for being along. Podcast is up and running. John and Kathy Show Have a great night. The ride home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group.